And welcome back to the Traveling On Radio Show, broadcasting from the 2009 U.S. Africa Business Summit in Washington, D.C. And we're happy to have with us the president and CEO of Novus, a St. Louis area-based company that is doing some wonderful things in Africa. And we are joined by Thad Simmons, who's the president and CEO, as I said, and also by Ellen Dierenfield, I think, uh, the sustainable program research manager, who's also, and she's going to talk to us about some of the practices that uh, that are uh, taking place in, in in wildlife conservation and and just how the company itself is working in this area to build bridges with uh, the local population there and we welcome both of you to the traveling on radio show well thank you Ian and Tanya it's very great that you have us uh, to talk to you today and talk to your audience um, we probably most of your listeners have never heard of Novus and that's understandable and uh, Novus is actually, as you said, in St. Louis. Uh, we come out of the uh, Monsanto heritage mm-hmm. of uh, science, and we uh, are owned actually by two uh, Japanese uh, companies, mm. Mitsui, which is a very large trading company, and Nippon Soda, a chemical company. Uh, our area is really in terms of uh, livestock nutrition, supplements mm-hmm. that go into livestock nutrition. So um, you, uh, a lot of our products go into the poultry industry. If you eat chicken... Probably your chances are one out of two that you'll actually have uh, our product somewhere in the chicken that you're that you're eating. So basically, animal health and nutrition solutions. That's right. Is, is your uh, the core of your your company? So we like to think in terms of uh, health through nutrition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So actually, our part of it, we don't really have any um, any animal drug program, but mm-hmm. really in terms of looking how we can help the farmers to be efficient, uh, sustainable producers, um, being more efficient in their production. We already know in, in the U.S. we have reached a very high level of productivity in our animal production, livestock production. But how are we going to... Today we have 6.5 billion people in the world. Yeah. And by 2050, people say there'll be 9 billion people exactly. in the world. So how are we going to increase the food productivity sufficient mm-hmm. to be able to meet that need? So my, my old former mother company, Monsanto, would say it's going to be through biotechnology. That's certainly one of the tools. But I think there's a lot more to it than that, and there's a lot more that we can do in terms of working with, um, with farmers in, uh, in many parts of the world to really be able to help them to uh, have the technologies to be able to uh, improve their efficiency of production with, and still at the same time respecting the environment. Now, so much of the uh, challenge of uh, doing business in Africa is has always kind of related to the political stability of many of the countries and uh, the leadership. And agribusiness is a dominant part of almost all of the economies there. What are some of the challenges that you're finding as a company to, A, try to get your technology out into the marketplace there and how that is uh, going to hopefully help transform the way that farming and agriculture is done throughout many sectors of Africa. Well, I think one of the challenges right now is uh, building the infrastructure that's needed in terms of a feed industry, uh, in terms of uh, processing plants and the whole, that kind of uh, capital investment is part of it. But I also find that the farmers themselves are, are quite, uh, quite clever and they are understanding how to use the technologies that are available to them. So they are looking for additional uh, resources. And, and most of the farmers there, as, as you probably know, are, uh, have a multi-crop. So they'll have crops, they'll have livestock. It's, it's like the, the old uh, farmer that would have mm-hmm. everything, a little bit of everything. I was uh, recently 
in, uh, in Kenya, in Uganda. And it was fantastic to actually go onto the dairy farms and see all the different uh, kinds of variety of production. And they're very self-sustainable because they provide, they, they grow the crops they need for feeding the animals. But they're looking for ways they can actually improve their productivity and the health of their animals. And so these are ways in which we can work with them to be able to, uh, to achieve this. And uh, right now we're looking to put technical um, people into different countries that can help us understand better. Um, one of the ways mm -hmm. we're doing this is through the award program, the African Women in Agricultural Research and Development. Right, and congratulations, because I know you just had a press uh, conference about yes. uh, this today. And uh, tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about this initiative. So award, this is, a, so award is an initiative. Um, it's uh, funded by uh, the Gates Foundation. Mm -hmm. and, but uh, there are 60 uh, women, post-bachelor's, uh, post-master's, or post-PhD, in, uh, so animal or agricultural uh, research uh, scientist in, in Africa. The focus is on women. Women quite often drop out of education. And what this program was doing was to provide mentorship opportunities and interns or fellowship opportunities for the women. Uh, most of them will stay in Africa. There are 60 mm -hmm. uh, who were in the first class, and Novus has taken one as a fellow. She'll be starting with us this week in St. Louis in our research center. Uh, she comes from Mozambique, and she'll be looking in terms of how to improve poultry feeding mm -hmm. in Mozambique based upon local ingredients. So are these African students who are actually uh, transferring to the United States to, uh, for this fellowship program? Uh, yes, they're all African women scientists. Okay. Most of them are going to stay in Africa, mm -hmm. and most of them will be working in Africa in terms with uh, with mentors, women mentors who have been successful as scientists in their own own right. Uh, a few will be go to placements outside of Africa. So we will have one this year coming to St. Louis. We'll have two next year and three the following year. And what it does for us is it provides to us someone who really knows what's happening locally, what the conditions are. What it, and then by looking in terms of what we have been experiencing in other parts of the world, mm -hmm. because we're not just in the U.S. We sell all around the world. We have extensive operations in China and in uh, Thailand and uh, Bangladesh. So we're selling all in many developing parts of the world. So it's really to try and share those different experiences from different places to see what's really appropriate to different places in Africa. Mm -hmm. Even Africa is not, it's 53 different countries, or some mm -hmm. people count differently, but however many countries there are. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I visited only two uh, in August. And so going from Kenya to Uganda, it's very different. Mm -hmm. The market structure is different. The, what's available in terms of materials is different. So we need to look, treat them each individually and that's why we're taking this approach. Ellen Dierenfeld, uh, who is the manager of the Sustainable Program Research. Ellen, tell us a little bit about what you do, what your mission with Novus is in the continent of, of Africa. Well, one of the um, aspects that we're doing, obviously, with our, our colleagues in Africa is, is building the education part of things. The first major project that we've started is another Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funded <laughs> project. The we East, like those gates. <laughs> the East African uh, Dairy Development Project, which is uh, multiple partners uh, in Africa. We're actually bringing in the nutritional technical aspects, mm -hmm. um, but it's to improve uh, milk production such that um, 
the, the whole economy of the dairy producer in Kenya and Uganda, where we're focusing right now, mm-hmm. is increased. Um, the uh, aspect that we're working, that I'm working on specifically, uh, working with our colleagues, they identified their priority projects. One was to improve calf nutrition, early calf nutrition. And so we're developing um, a solution using locally available feeds and locally available technologies. With that strategy of, of really having a sustainable focus there of, of, of working with the local farmers, helping them develop their skill set and, and their ability to grow in a sustainable way, how do you see that transforming uh, agriculture there? Will that have to be accompanied by market reforms ultimately in, in some of these countries to really make them feel the success that they ultimately need from being empowered with all of this knowledge? Or is, or is that something that is taking place? I'm, I'm just trying to help our audience yeah. get a feel for some of the challenges that... Um, <laughs> well, actually, I think some of that's going to be developing parallel to okay. some of the on-the-ground projects. But, I mean, some of the really basic... Um, roadblocks, if you will, is the lack of of infrastructure, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the lack of transportation, the Mm -hmm. lack of roads itself. How do you go to, you can't go to a feed store and pick up feeds. They they don't necessarily exist, or if they do, they aren't stocked the same way that we might envision. So with the dry season supplement that we're looking at for Uganda in particular, this is a locally available ingredients. We might provide mineral pack Mm -hmm. that goes into that mix but it's a a low technology hands-on farm mix Mm -hmm. that can be pressed into a a block made again of 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 available ingredients and hand carried back to the farm we're not talking pickup trucks to 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 take the blocks back so we got to take into account uh, some of the constraints um, you know in any situation we're not looking at at high technologies mm-hmm. or very expensive feedstuffs. Those are not solutions that would work in these particular applications. So for it to be sustainable, it has to be practical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just make sure that we got in Ellen's other uh, little project with the flamingos. Oh, really? Yes, I, please. I think this is, this is how we're actually talking in terms of taking the wildlife experience that we had or she's had in terms of her career Mm-hmm. But also looking in terms of commercial opportunity in terms of flamingos and from an animal welfare point of view, how we can do something to help them to live. So, Ellen, I think well, she... Well, thank you for raising that because I was actually going to ask her how she she got from the the zoo to where she is. I know you're a recovering attorney and we're, you know, we're just yeah. falling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're falling out of the field of law at a pretty rapid rate these days. But, but please, Ellen. Um, well, the Flamingo Project that uh, Thad was talking about, we were actually contacted by the um, director of the Wildlife Conservation Society in Tanzania. Tanzania is one of the uh, is the only native range state that has legal export of flamingos, and they were having a, a real problem with mortality mm-hmm. from the trappers, and so they asked us if we could help out. So, by taking my zoo and wildlife background, we were able to put together a supplement pack that could be combined with locally available feedstuffs in Tanzania to formulate a nutritionally balanced diet for mm-hmm. these flamingos. Now, they're actually implementing it on the ground with their trappers right now, but 
um, we weren't able to get any um, controlled studies from that. So I'm working with two of my colleagues in South African zoos, uh-huh. feeding the same diet, only using their locally available ingredients with the mineral and vitamin pack that we put together so that we can actually get um, the blood samples and the health data to confirm um, the, the science underlying mm-hmm. that. And, I mean, we're building on poultry nutrition um, information, even mm-hmm. for applying to the, this particular uh, bird species. And, and that's the kind of, of project and information that people need to see do integrate really nicely, is that you can take information from wildlife or you can take information from domestic animals and put it together with the basic biology and science and make it work. Absolutely. And I, I love flamingos. I think they're <laughs> very beautiful creatures. And have the locals been receptive to your company? Well, it's early days, but yes, right. it's been quite receptive in East Africa. As Ellen talked about, the East Africa Dairy uh, Development Initiative, and that's, they've been very open to this. Um, and I think that, and my own limited but personal experience in visiting with farmers is they were actually very much looking for technology. I mm-hmm. went to one dairy farmer in Uganda. He has a solar panel to provide re- electricity for his refrigeration. He's put in a biogas reactor to actually provide the gas for his pasteurization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He does his own packaging on site. He does his own yogurt on site. Um, so why does he do all that? Well, there are certain constraints. He doesn't have any electricity coming to his site, so mm-hmm. he needs a solar panel. Right. Uh, he's also a lawyer, by the way. Oh, my. <laughs> Pretty smart one, too. We're all over the world, aren't we? <laughs> We're all over the world. So he does this. His, his, his grandfather was actually a dairy farmer, and so he, he thought going back into dairy farming was a good thing. But he, he's, he's doing it small scale, mm-hmm. but he's looking at all the different technologies. He's very aware. Mm-hmm. He talked a lot to me about they need to be competitive in the world. Yes. So, so meaning... He needs to have access to technologies anywhere in the world that are appropriate to what he's doing. So to me, it was very important to learn that because in, from St. Louis, we're very far away. I can't mm-hmm. know very well, are these farmers? But he didn't put forward his market access as being his biggest challenge because his market access is to the local market. Oh, well, you know, I, um, so exactly what you're doing is, um, is really helping to alleviate poverty in, in some of those smaller communities by uh, providing some of the, the, the farmers with the tools uh, to create sustainable food and in a sustainable practice uh, agricultural growth arena, if, if, I, if I heard you correctly. Farmers are businessmen. Absolutely. So they need to have a return on investment, just like anywhere in the world. So if we want to introduce a technology to them, a new product to them, it has to be something where mm-hmm. they're going to have improved efficiency of their production. If that improved efficiency of production also is better for the environment, that they're okay. If, but if we don't go in there and talk to them in terms of why it's better for the environment. Um, so the farmer in Uganda was using firewood before the biogas reactor. Right. Deforestation is a huge issue. So how we will address deforestation? While I was in, in Kenya, I went to the Mara. And I went to visit one of the um, one of the Masa villages there, and they have put in biogas reactors there to provide the cooking gas. So the forests are now coming back because the commitment they had to make was to stop chopping down all the trees. Mm-hmm. And you start seeing already mm-hmm. changes, but these changes have to happen on a very local basis. Mm-hmm. And so I think the difference is, while we can't, we're not going to be operating at the large scale. We need we need to build roads and bridges and things, but that's not where we come in. 
we come in working really on a local scale, working with local conditions with local farmers right. and, and local feed industry in each of these countries, and we'll start having an impact there. Ah, well, Thad and Ellen, I, I know you're a popular man. I think we kept you beyond another interview you're headed to. <laughs> so I uh, thank you for, uh, for indulging us, but uh, thank you both for, for joining you. us today on the Traveling On Radio Show and, and uh, for sharing what you're doing to... Re- you've joined the movement, too. We were talking about you know global citizenship being a movement, and so we... We're happy to welcome you to our army. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you you very much. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Traveling on Radio Show, broadcasting live from the U.S.-Africa Business Summit here in Washington, D.C. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Peter Greenberg, who is just finishing off a um, uh, moderating another uh, panel. We'll see you on the other side of this break. 